Welcome to episode 75 of the Inside Jogging Podcast. Big show coming at you this week with news from the world cross country, marathon running in Seville, British indoor action and a fast 5k in London. It's what's been probably a busier weekend of running than Josh Lund's Instagram DMs, which I can assure you is very, very, very busy. But for all of that, in a week which saw plenty ride the pain train in Spain, during the Seville Marathon and Barcelona half, let me welcome to the show our very own Spanish correspondent this evening, who hopefully doesn't have any pain to report. How's life in the sunshine, Joshua? Yeah, all good. It's not actually so too sunny, to be fair. Um, but I am, yeah, I'm in Spain. That is true. Had fun down a canal, I see. It's possibly the most famous canal I've ever seen. It's brilliant. I mean... You're you're calling it famous canal based on the fact you've seen a few runners up up and down on Instagram. Yeah, that's what that's what I would base fame on. That is fame. No, nothing nothing else is important. <laughs> right, let's welcome our co-host this evening, who also crossed an international border this week. Well, that's if you were to believe the people of Lincolnshire, where leaving the county is a massive event for them. How was your trip down to the big smoke, Shano? Well, um, we do have a massive county, so we do have to travel far, and it takes horse and cart a long time to leave the border of Lincolnshire. So, yeah, yeah am we... I right in thinking that Lincolnshire is the biggest county in the country? Yeah, I think so. Yorkshire, it depends what Yorkshire's broken into. I don't know. I'm not confident on that one, Josh. Yeah, it's definitely right. top two. I think. Yeah. Normally, uh, listen, listeners, don't message us in to let us know. So. Went down to London, Shane. Yes. Had a race. Correct. First of all, how was Peter K? Peter K was pretty good. Uh, well worth the watch. How was your golf? Golf was um, questionable. Good. Which is, is normal. So, yeah. Okay. Well, as Josh has travelled the furthest this week, we'll put him first. And you can go through your Monday to Sunday, Joshua, which I've probably also run the most as well. Which started uh, yeah. in, I think you spanned three countries is the last week. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds all right. <clears throat> um, so Monday, the classic six and six. So six in the morning, six miles that is uh, six thirty nines. Um, did a did a your you didn't like this loop when I last did it. I haven't done it for a while, Aaron. It's the uphill six mile loop from Maddie's back to my house. Yeah, I mean, I did an uphill six k today, and that was bad enough. And I think yours is more uphill than mine was. Yeah, what's the elevation? It's not too bad. It's like just under three hundred feet elevation. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> And then in the evening, six miles, that was 6.35. Nothing really to report there. Uh, Tuesday. So I had, so this is, it's kind of like a midweek long run, but it's not really in the middle of the week. Um, it's on a Tuesday. <laughs> so <laughs> I had 14 miles. Um, so just easy, easy sort of effort. Um, 
I didn't have a 14 mile loop and it was in the dark. What I thought to myself, so I've got an eight mile loop and I know a six mile loop. So I combined them. So I did. And the, basically what the big debate in my head was, and I was thinking this when I started, do I do the eight mile loop first or do I do the six mile loop first? So I chose to do the eight one, eight mile loop first. And my headphone actually went mental at like four miles in. But I know it's very bizarre, just one of them. That was horrible to listen to. I didn't really want to hold it, so I just left it in my ear. So I ran all the way back home and then ditched my headphones and carried on and did another loop. So by the time I got back, it was actually uh, quite late because I left at sort of 25 to 7. Um, so yeah, 14 miles, 601s, pretty, pretty average run, really. Didn't feel great, didn't feel terrible. Then uh, Wednesday morning, so I was off to London on Wednesday. So I got up pretty early, 7.30. It was pretty nippy, actually. Um, so did eight miles, or just over eight miles, uh, 5.54 average. Then in the evening, Aaron's smiling. And so I just remember looking at the second half of this run. Did you not finish it like, I don't know, four or five miles at 5.45s? Yeah, probably more than that. <laughs> Yeah, I went six. I'll oh, just to read you the splits. I went six twenty six, then six oh three, five forty six, fifty eight, forty nine, forty four, forty five, forty eight, forty. Madness. Carry on. Well, I was I was I was cold, so once I got going, I felt all right. <clears throat> um. Then in the evening, I went uh went for a run with uh Ross Braden and Jack from the Tracksmith store. Uh, we've got a couple of bits from the track uh, from Tracksmith. So it was meant to be a six-mile run. We did a couple laps or a little loop around Hyde Park. Ended up being seven miles. And that was 6.23s. Um, I actually felt really good on this. I did have a little, I've had a little bit of a... I'll come to it again later in the week. But I had a bit of a tight foot slash calf um, thing this week. Uh, and that kind of started that day, actually. Um, <clears throat> so that was Thursday, uh, Wednesday. So bearing in mind, I put a photo on. And this this is relevant when we come to Thursday of a long sleeve T-shirt that I just got, which is probably retails probably about 80, 90 pounds. Thursday night, big session. So this was the first marathon specific session I've done. So in total, it's 18 miles with three miles easy at the beginning, three miles easy at the end, and then 12 miles in the middle around marathon pace. And uh so regarding the pace, I spoke to Rob before and he kind of said, let's start at sort of 5.12s to 5.15s, um, see how the first few sessions go, and then we can kind of tailor it to what how, how they've kind of gone. And I did manage to rope Jacob Allen into this, which was a, a massive, massive help. Um, so, yeah, that, that certainly helps me. Um, so the first three miles, we averaged sort of just inside sixes, so 6.08, 6.02, 5.40. And then because I think the thing with these is because you go straight in, there's no like stopping that third mile of the warm up generally ends up being quite quick. Um, and then <clears throat> the 12 miles at marathon pace. So it averaged, I know Aaron, you commented five fourteens on Strava. It was up five four thirteens on my watch. Um, Can you add up the points for me and then get back to me? Uh, well, no, I can't bother. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> okay. a word. So we'll go. I I think it's by thirteen point five, so I've rounded it up for you. Ah, fine. All fine. accountants do that, mate. There, there we go. There we go. 
Um, and yeah, I didn't feel there was a few sort of phases through that. The start was all right. I didn't feel fantastic the sort of first quarter. And I felt pretty bad coming up to, I said to Jacob, I was like, I'm going to sit on you for a little bit, uh, probably nine miles of the effort. I got to a sort of 10 and a half second wind and we kind of swapped roles. I said, I feel fantastic. And he was like, yeah, I'm, it's coming back to bite me now. Because if you think Jacob's obviously very quick, but he doesn't do much of the longer stuff. So that's quite a long effort for him. Um, and then we did three miles at the end. Jacob just did one because he was like, no, that's enough for me. Um, so I went 603, 558, 554, the last three. And I definitely could feel my foot there. So basically, I, well, you know when you sort of push your foot down, I think it's dorsiflexion. It felt like I needed like the equivalent to clicking your knuckles or like popping your knuckles. Um, and it kind of felt quite jammed up. But I wasn't too concerned about it then. Um, so that was 18 miles, 528s. We just had one sort of very quick toilet stop. Um, yeah, that was decent. Uh, and then third, Friday night, I had the oh, and going back to the, the long sleeve top, I wore it for the first lap. I threw it off and forgot it. So I managed to keep that ninety pound top for a day, and now I've lost it. <laughs> um, Friday night. Wow. Say that again. Your foot. You mean when you push your foot down towards the floor? Yeah. Plantar flexion. Oh, there we go. The opposite. Mm. Is it? Yeah. Shane just had to do all that. <laughs> Like, I think I think I do this for a living. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Then Friday, so I was going to run Friday morning. Didn't. Uh, I was going to run Friday lunch. Didn't. I was going to run before the five k. Didn't. So I watched the five k. Um, and I started my warm down with Josh Grace. Bearing in mind he's just run what fourteen ten or something, and I was trying to get him to not jog first couple miles of his warm down so he managed two miles with me he was like i'm done i think he was hanging on for dear life so we were 710 702 um and then i stopped and can i just say i I love your watch when you're on battersea park mile one 52 foot elevation (laughs) yeah the elevation on my watch is bizarre it it, it is We'll talk about um, watches when it comes to our weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I did two two miles with Josh um, and then I did another couple of laps and I bumped into my old coaches, Mark and Simon, so I stood chatting for them for a little bit and then I finished my runoff. So I started my run at 10 past eight and my lapse time was a good half an hour longer than my run so 80 minute elapsed time i think i finished yeah i'd have finished at half nine um but yeah eight miles six thirty sevens and when we get to the end of my week those two miles have hurt me at the beginning <clears throat> so saturday morning my foot again really jammed up here um around my bassy park i did 12 miles six minute mile in started a little bit slower whilst I got warmed up and uh, Holly had a session uh, with Holly Archer. So midway through my run, she had like a four-mile tempo. So she sort of just jumped on the back, um, basically whilst I was running. 
Um, and then I jumped on a couple of groups actually. Some of them were doing sort of marathon sessions, which just I sort of sat on the back and sort of running five forties. Uh, sorry, five forty-five, five fifties. So that worked quite well. And then I bumped into Ross Braden, and he just finished a massive marathon session. So I said, Ross, five minutes. Can you look at my foot? So he uh, he looked at it, and um, yeah, he basically just just tight really in my calf. So it's uh, it's eased off a lot actually, um, which is good. And then I flew to Spain. So that was Saturday afternoon. And because I flew, uh, Rob wanted me to move my, because I was meant to have a double session day on Sunday. So we've changed that now. So we just did a, a 20 mile run um, and I've moved my double session day for to the week after I race in Rome. So we did 20 miles with uh, Stu Spencer. And you think I'm bad out the door. Stu is on it. So 6.16 first mile and then uh second mile we were 554 and that was probably the slowest one after that so did, 20 miles so gone so did you do the whole run with you yeah didn't they just race a marathon or a oh no it? no i think he was meant to be he had a bit of a niggle going into it so he's doing he's doing a marathon the week before london now okay so Stu, if you're listening you got a niggle and I don't know what your race pace is currently, but you've just done five forty sixes for twenty miles. Chill out. <laughs> no, he, he's getting he's getting in, getting in shape. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, yeah 20, is, 20 miles. That is race. <laughs> twenty miles, <laughs> five forty sixes. And yeah, my foot was a little bit like jammed up, but um, I've been working on it quite a lot now because I actually know where it is. So I've got physio tomorrow morning, um, just to sort of batter my calves really. But yeah, decent, and that that was uh that was in pegs as well. So, Go so on, tell us the week number that's got you. So, I failed on two parts, and I'm only mad at myself for it. I did ninety nine point two miles, so I can break hundred, and my average pace for the week was six zero zero. Failed. Like that. So, um, so I'm, bra- I'm blaming Josh Grace. Well, Josh, Josh Grace has um, just given you two more miles before injury, mate. <laughs> Genuine question. So on this foot pain, so, so yeah. when when you get it, so like what, where in your foot is it? Uh, it's kind of like in the the bit of my ankle. It, um, well, I mean, I can show you. I can't really describe it. On the top of my ankle, yeah. or like the top of my foot towards my ankle, um, it's like the tendon in there. But I mean, to be honest, it's gone now. Okay. So may or may not be relevant, but um, the I did see a, another uh, like super shoe study get shared last week. I think it was Rich Blagrove shared it. Um, but they were looking at like the carbon plated footwear and like more incidents of stuff like navicular stress fractures. But essentially, I think when oh, yeah, you mentioned that to me when the foot's in carbon, the the full do you know what a fulcrum is? no so so like it's where the um it's where the leave will get purchased on the ground so like that's the ground there so anyway what it great, does is great, carbon... great great radio doing that demonstration <laughs> so listeners if you can just look at me right now well i'm kind of expecting you to cut that bit out Aaron. anyway i can't explain it very well should be able to point is when when you're in like uh carbon shoes they think like the the bulk of the stress through the foot is shifted forward a little bit. Um, Shane, 
Have you what? seen how my foot lands in fucking anything? Well, exactly. So again, <laughs> um, just a, a pre-word of warning: if you're about to load up on loads of sort of carbon-plated footwear marathon sessions, uh, might just contribute to some of the tightness, some of the load for your foot. Um, anyway, no, I've, I've, yeah. I think the thing for me is I just need to keep on top of uh, massage because I hadn't had a massage in a little while, and I can it's it's at the top outer bit of my calf, and it's quite a common thing for me to for, to get tight up there. I think it's just gradually got tight down, all the way down my shin really. Um, I presume, I presume yeah, it's, it's just awkward rather than oh yeah 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 it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean when I spoke to Ross and I mean Ross listened so he can vouch for that. He he sort of said. Just get it loosened off, really. He said there was no mobility in my foot because it was tight. Um, so they just basically wasn't predating so much. Now I've got one more question from your week. This lap of Battersea that you managed to do lots of the last week. How far? Yeah, I did. I, think I did four, 40 miles around Battersea in three days. It's one point seven miles a lap. Yeah, one of the other things actually that I, I could have contributed to it is there's a slight camber in Battersea Park. It's not massive. But it is notable if you do a lot of laps. So, my question: If it's one point seven miles, yeah, yeah, why do they not do or you do laps instead of? Because you could have done seven laps, right, and run twelve miles, roughly. Yeah, and then at least when you do it again, because you're more likely to do it in Batsy again. You can have a point of reference because, as you saw from your GPS, I know it doesn't matter, but everybody gets different readings. Um, it just makes it quite hard to kind of definitely pinpoint where you're at, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a very valid point. Well, you could just, um, instead, I suppose you could just also just split a lap just so you have them for your reference. That's what Shane does, I think, with the ER bridge. Don't um, worry. I when I did 12 miles the other day after work, I was doing that on my easy run. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think Le- 11 minutes useful. if you get rolling. It's useful for you to compare to in the in the future. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think especially, especially places like Battersea, like, I mean, we joke, we call them Magic Loops, but it's a very good place to train around. There's no sharp, real sharp corners. It's pancake flat. There's wide paths. It's pretty hidden from the wind quite well. Like they're good places to train, and if you're down in London quite a lot, I think yeah, good, good to sort of know. I okay, we've got a lap tempo, half a lap tempo, or two laps or whatever. I quite like training like that, to be honest, as well. Mm. Shane, you, I just say though, you think that Battersea loops because you wait till you see my canal, <laughs> tremendous. So you've got Rome half marathon. When is that? It's uh, two weeks. Uh, well, so we're recording on the Monday. It was two weeks yesterday. Okay. Cool. You're now in Spain, I think you said, for best part of six weeks. All right, for some. Yeah. <laughs> Whereabouts are you based? It's called, so I asked Steve for the pronunciation, it's Tora Vallejo. There you go. Fluent. Yeah. I've been learning Spanish. And I tell you what, we went, we didn't, the, all the shops were shut on Sunday. They don't open supermarkets on a Sunday. So we went to McDonald's. It's the bougiest McDonald's I've ever seen. Shane, I don't know what you'd, I don't know what you'd order. <laughs> you can <laughs> have um, four cheeseburgers. Like those signs of Villamora. Why is it? Oh, why, like, 
Why is it so posh? They've got like a muck cafe, and everything just was not. It was just completely the opposite to England. They have they have a lot of that in Europe, though, don't they? The one in Barca, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, it's upmarket McDonald's, eh? Right, Shane, on the talk of McDonald's, <laughs> might go into your week. I'm a change man. I don't do it now. So, yeah, my week, as you mentioned, I had a race on the Friday, so we lower week this week. Um, I also ended up having a rest day. So just under 50 miles for me this week. Monday, um, 71 odd minutes, 7.06 pace, 10 odd miles. Tuesday, a bit of a, um, just a bit of a pre-race session that was a bit, <laughs> obviously, uh, that was uh, just a bit sharper. So I did a mile and then five minutes rest, eight by a minute off a mile. I uh, did this with Tom. He was on half term, so got a little daytime session in. I uh, did the mile in 4.43, pancake flat, no wind. Um, I actually, I found it quite hard, actually. I felt pretty good till 1,200, and then it was almost like a race. I just tied up in the last sort of quarter mile. Uh, like, my back got really stiff. Um, So... Yeah, probably in hindsight, looking back, should have stopped at 1200 and just kept it so that I wasn't really going into red zone, but felt okay. And then did the minutes at 440 to 450 pace, so no faster than the mile. Um, I felt pretty good for the minutes up until about five or six. And then again, the last two, I sort of tied up a little bit. So I was quite surprised at how tough that was, given what I did. That being said, I felt like I needed it. Um, it was a bit of a, oh shit, I need to do 5k faster than this on Friday. So uh, I was grateful for it. Uh, felt okay the next day though, did uh, just under 60 minutes at 7.25 pace, went off-road, ran a nature reserve, um, me, Tom and Ronnie, Ronnie brought his dog. Thursday, just a 30-odd minute shakeout plus some strides. That was 7.19 pace. Uh, so Battersea, um yeah, I ran shit um, and I didn't get a stitch. So for those who have been listening for a few months now, that's 2023 running achievement number one done. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because I'm Mr. Positive, as people know, that <laughs> that's a big, big positive, Shane. It did get a stitch. Yeah. Please, um, mate. So, um, I mean, yeah, the town's worth what I wanted, worth what I expected, but... I quite frankly don't have any excuses other than I was shit. So I'm weirdly happy about that. So I... talk us talk us through the the race, like from start to finish. Where did it where did it go wrong? How yeah, did you go so, through spells of feeling good or what? So the race typically has a beginning, the middle, and the end. Excellent. So the uh beginning went well. Um now I used to lay into people for soft excuses and I've got a whole bunch of soft excuses lined up. Good. My favorite. I, couldn't, I couldn't see very well. Um, and I'm really ashamed to admit this, but I just struggled to see. And I was, it was quite unnerving, to be honest. And I remember when we did this in April last year, certainly near the start, there's like a lump in the, in the path. So I was like, I'm going to start wide this time because I don't trust myself and all these other people around me going in this uh like lump with half light so i got myself on the outside got a pretty decent start 
Um, felt like it's a real long first straight until the first corner Battersea is. So sort of kind of took myself in just behind the main pack. And when we were sort of a K in, it was just surging. There was people pushing and moving everywhere. The bunch was massive. So I was like, right, I don't want to be in this uh, when I can't really see either. And I don't like, I'd probably say where my level of fitness is at the moment, I'm going to be way better at a half than a 5K. Uh, we haven't done a huge amount of quick work. Part of the reason for doing this 5K is to to sharpen up over some of the longer stuff. Um, so surging isn't going to work for me. I don't have the speed. If I wanted to run a 1420, I'm going to have to be on, you know, close to that effort a, lot, a long way, a lot, um, all the way around. So I got myself just off the back of the group, um, just to give myself a bit of space. I love for it surging and slowing, and I just never got back on it. So and I didn't look at my watch once, but I was probably about a mile in. I'm guessing where about a mile would have been. And I felt pretty relaxed. And I was like, going around the sort of top corner near where the near where the track is, the athletics track. Um, I was off it, but the main group, like the lead wasn't really that far ahead. So I was like, okay, we'll come through a lap and then you hit you hit like three K down that middle straight again. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll get to three K, reel in some of these back markers i could see ronnie just ahead as well i was like i'll try and catch ronnie and i'll i'll, I'll push through um and i just made no ground whatsoever <laughs> so i was in the stragglers off the back of the end of the race really um so i was disappointed not to have much i didn't see any splits how, in, like, how fast do you think it was through 3k for you probably probably like 845 to 850 maybe okay so fairly you know it's not crazily different splits because i think when i did it a couple of years ago um i did it early on in the summer it's like it was april may one yeah i'm sure we went through 3k in like 838 and then yeah. i ran similar to what you did I'm, I'm still not quite sure what happened in the last k because i i thought i managed to hold on but but yeah it's um i mean i, I was i was going to look but I didn't dare look because I, I so I did the April one last year and around fourteen twenty three. Mm. But I was in, I felt like I was a, well, I, I wasn't very good shape to be fair. But I last year I remember going two forty five for a K, assuming it's right. It might have been wrong, yeah. but felt pretty good doing that. And I ran, I went for an eight thirty seven. But last year going through three K, I, I was still quite close to the front. Like the, the, I was in front of the pack last year. Um, and then I got a stitch and they all caught me and I just managed to stay with the pack. Um, whereas this year, obviously the pack was miles ahead. So I was going to look at 3K as a reference, but I was so scared I'd see something like 902. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to look. So I was thinking about working it out at some point just for a reference, but I looked at my Garmin splits afterwards and and on on my Strava, it came up at like 3.16. Um I think the first mile was it like eight uh four thirty four I think. I'll get open and say like that. And I and I did see the video that Sports Shoes put up of the race footage, and I think the the front would go. We're doing about two fifties, so it probably makes sense that my first K would have been about two fifty three, maybe to two fifty five, and then I probably just got gradually slower. Yeah, uh, well, it's got. It, I mean, it's drive. It's got four thirty four, four forty four, four forty seven. So yeah. You know, to be fair, Shane, you mm. are very good at a, a solid regression. So 
Oh, I'm fantastic at them. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it was. It was a regression. And the good news is, as I said, I, I don't think there's any danger of the stitch coming. Like, I just couldn't. I just made a bit of an error. I couldn't get back on that group. My legs are sort of gone. I didn't expect them to. Um, so, yeah, just, just a tactical error. And I didn't have what I expected to have on the day. Uh, besides, I mean, I felt great in warm-up. So I was, I was confident. I managed myself as I planned to. It was just a bad plan, I think. Um, so I don't really... I, I went into the race with an expectation of about 14 and a half minutes, um, 14.30. That was what that pack was. I saw sort of a couple of runners around, like John Beattie around 4.30, who, again, I was probably with at about the mile. Um, and I just, I just let them go, and I probably should have tried harder at that point. But I'm not too fussed. Um, as I said, I'm really happy I didn't actually get a stitch and I worked hard. It's a solid a solid marker. And I think you said at the start um, you didn't want to make soft excuses and visibility wasn't great. To back that up, anybody who hasn't seen the sports shoe video, take a look of the leaders, the guy in third place. Um, top corners. There's a bollard in the middle of the path, which he obviously didn't see, and he flips over it when he hits it. <laughs> Um, I've heard his knee isn't too good. There is rumours of a, a cruciate knee ligament damage, but I'm a bit sceptical that he got a scan that evening and has got that result. He was in hospital. I know he, I saw he had to stay in hospital that evening. You Do you know what? You London boys have got far too much medical cover if you can get scanned quicker than Premier League footballers, is my comment. That <laughs> <laughs> was going on. In Lincolnshire, you wouldn't have that result for at least six months. Yeah, yeah. you get a referral, and you still wouldn't. You did not get a letter for a date. Anyway, um, yeah, talk it. So, I suppose the rest of your group that you ran with all ran pretty solidly. Tom fourteen thirty five, Ronnie fourteen forty six. So. Yeah, yeah. So I think like, I think Tom was where we expected. Um, I, I, I think. Tom actually performed really, really well, actually. Um, like under context, so I was quickly and he got after it, it was good. Again, Ronnie is always good at racing, he gets after it, and he just sort of Ronnie just sort of popped on the group. So, yeah, solid, solid enough. I think the only difference for me is I so so I've entered Trafford and I'd like to break 30 because then I can get an entry to Valencia marathon. So my only concern is I'm just a lot less confident I can break 30 now at Trafford, but um, it's a couple of weeks away. Just drop Dave Norman a note, <laughs> like an actual note, and then some some notes as well, like 100 notes, and just <laughs> ask him to have the same course measurement as last year and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if we can get Trafford at, you know, just under six mile, that'll give me a good shot of getting into Valencia. So, yeah. You, you can get that sorted. That'd be lovely. Cheers, Dave. Anyway, you've I don't understand why you can get into a marathon based on a 10, 10 k time. I, I don't understand why you can get into a marathon based on <laughs> short downhill <laughs> races either. But anyway, Shane, rest of your week. You've still got Saturday, rest, Sunday. Rest of the week. So Saturday, um, so, well, Friday night, we um, we had free beer at the race. It was lovely. So I had a couple of those. Got back to Sydney, quick shower. Had a few down the pav. Um, I don't know how welcome we were, but you know, it's still nice. So I had a few beers on Friday night. Saturday didn't wake up with a hangover. Another win. 
like fantastic like a new me brilliant um so we did just over 80 minutes 11 miles 722 really hilly really hard didn't like that um and then sunday couldn't really be bothered to run if i'm being honest um but i did think i've not had a rest day in quite a few weeks my body was aching um didn't really need to do anything so took a day off end of my week but you did you did send me a message when you're driving past my house this time i was like i'm gonna get a screenshot because i know you'll be if you're at home you're right next to the a1 just about got it and i was busy having a nap anyway your week yeah so let's go to my week uh which started very painfully and as I said last week when we recorded the show, I I came off the back of the 30K, sore than I've ever been. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, deep run 30K. I came off the back of my 25K run, sore than I've ever been in my life, than any marathon. And this is no over-exaggeration. I've had, I had the worst DOMS imaginable in my, in my quads and my calves more than anything. Which is odd because it was my hamstrings that were sore in the race. So Shane can dissect that and tell me later what's going on. But I, so I didn't, I couldn't run Monday, um, even if I wanted to. Tuesday, I had to get the calf from Eliza. So uh, Jenny's mum said she'd pick me up. And I was like, no, the weather, because the weather was good, wasn't it, Monday, Tuesday? And I was like, I'll, I'll just try a jog. And I started up my road. And the first three minutes were agony. I was really debating whether it's... I thought it's good. It's surely going to ease off. And it did It did ease off a little bit. But it was painful. And any slight downhill, I couldn't run. Um, so I tried to avoid any... It was any small gradient. But, but I did 3.4 miles, 7.24s. And then just knew it wasn't sensible to try and run Wednesday. So I, I started again Thursday. So by Thursday, I was a bit like, well, I could walk down the stairs, which is a good start. And I did 40 minutes Thursday, just tried to loop around on the flat. I did 40 minutes at 7.23s. And it felt quite hard. I think that was partially because my legs were still a bit sore. So then Friday, I had to, I left it till four o'clock on Friday and I had to go pick up Eliza. And so in my head, I thought I'm going to try and get 45 minutes done. And I got 50 minutes done, 7.04. So felt loads better Friday. And that was no problem. So seven miles, 7.04. Do you think as well, once, because the pace is a bit quicker, that's also why you feel a bit better? No, I couldn't. Okay. I, on that Thursday run, when I ran seven twenty threes, I tried to, I tried exactly that. I thought, oh, maybe it's because I'm going t- too slow. I just couldn't run faster. I was working yeah, hard as well. I was like, this is not sensible, <laughs> and I was just mindful that I didn't want to overdo anything either. After our discussion and Shane's plan. I didn't want to get ill again before the plan started. So I tried to to be sensible. Um, so 40 minutes Thursday, 50 minutes Friday, 55 minutes Saturday-ish. It was 56. 
and I did eight miles at 6.57s and felt great. I felt really good Saturday morning. Um, I, I left it till about half past nine and, and got out a bit of drizzle, but again, largely looped around on the flat. But yeah, felt really good. Uh, I got my new watch on Thursday. So I've got the, the Phoenix or the Phoenix, however you want to pronounce it, six Solar Pro. Someone's doing well. What happened was, Josh, I got a, I got this message on, on Tuesday on WhatsApp when I sat in my office, like contemplating life that running was really hard. And it came from Shane saying, you need to buy this watch. And it was a link to John Lewis. They're very expensive, half, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but it's half price. So it's down to 330 from 700 or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I said to Shane, like, why do I need to buy it? And he, he said, you get better stats on it. And that was sold. I mean, all he had to really tell me was that you get sunrise and sunset times and that would have been sold. <laughs> so I bought that and then I also bought Shane one too because it was his birthday and I thought he, he needed some treating. So <laughs> um, so Shane's message cost me £700 basically. But <laughs> I I haven't got my heart rate sorted out yet. So I've still got some rogue heart rate data because off the wrist it's terrible like any other watch. But yeah, seems pretty solid. It's a bit heavy, as Shane said. So Shane's got a new sh- strap. Yeah. Anyway, I'll go back to my week. So Saturday, 55. Sunday, I went out and actually did ha- uh, an hour and a half with Philippa and Ruth. And I purposely said to them, I wanted to go a little bit quicker than what the pace I set them. Because usually I say to, well, Ruth, seven and a half minute miling for a long run. And Philippa, probably about 7.45s. I said, could we keep it to seven and a half? And I think we actually, well, I got 725s, Philip got 721s and Ruth got 723s. So whichever one of those you want to take. But yeah, it was a little bit quicker. But yeah, I felt really good. Felt easy. 90 minutes, no problem. So a solid end to the week, 36 miles. Um, Legs finally recovered and started this week pretty well. So just need to continue that for at least another six weeks and I might be good. So on the Shane Robinson plan today, first ever time today that I have loaded a run into my watch because obviously when I set people's training and final surge or training peaks, I know they people import them, but Garmin automatically imports it, doesn't it, if you're connected to final surge or training peaks. So, yeah, it's nice. I got a little message from Shane this morning, pop up my screen. Um, I've, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, all good. Optimistic, positive. Positive you know what, mindset. You know, what, Aaron and his new PMA, um, you don't want to see some of the messages that I put through on somebody else's, uh, else's garments. Um, just some words of motivation, Let's let's say. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I, I if I would have realised the notes came through as well, I would have been playing around with this for weeks. It's it's to be how, honest. How do you do that? Because I, I it doesn't automatically do it for me. Well, so I so I use Final Surge to coach, and Aaron, you've just started using that as well, haven't you? Yeah. And you can, if someone's got a Garmin, you can build the workout within Final Surge. But when you set the steps, up, that's you it. Can, that's you that's can... where Josh is missing because I built 
everything even in training peaks i've built every single run as like a structured workout yeah so that's yeah. when it loads into your watch oh okay so that's what i think i've think i've done with yours aaron i've even yeah. your easy runs i've just built it as a watch so it comes up but it can, be quite, it can be quite good for for motivation for some clients because they'll go to you know they'll go on the garmin app and it'll oh you've got to do this today and it's like oh shit yeah i do so yeah i mean i'm actually intrigued to do one of these workouts where it beeps for me because i've always like most of us who've been running years just manually split every single like session i've ever done i've never loaded a work i've even i've built hundreds of them for people i've never done one myself yeah even on modern fartlek that you it'd be much easier if it just beeped for you and i i just always manually split it it's like a little competition anyway yeah. i think well when when you're in groups it's it's annoying if because everyone especially if it goes on um if it goes on distance if you're setting k reps or mile reps it's annoying in a group because you've got people stopping left right like all over the place mm. so it's just easy to manually split it when everyone else stops but certainly if you're training on your own and yeah monofartlek it gets to 15 15s doesn't it uh, yep. 15 seconds like by the time you're looking at your watch or you just need one to focus on running hard so i know yeah exactly yeah, the yeah, 36 miles for my week. Um, Shane's given me about 60, 65 this week. So we'll see how it goes. Strava leaderboard. I know, Josh, you're usually on this, but I think you're on your phone. So um, Yeah, I didn't bring my laptop out with me, unfortunately. I will click onto it. But yeah, last week, Kieran Walker, 131 miles for Kieran. Um, I'm assuming he's doing a marathon. Um, uh, what, yeah, I think he's doing London. It's in, no, he's, I didn't see him on the London start list. I don't know what he's doing. I'll try and find out. Old Map London. Sorry, not Old Map London. Map London <laughs> is in second. Uh, Matt Bowser in seventh, 100.1 miles. Oh, He's getting keen, isn't he? So let me just scroll down. Any other notable mentions? I can't find the leading lady at the moment. Sally O'Gorman. 88, 83, Hayley Munn, 82. So, so yeah, I not, as big, not as big a mileage this week. Some people have obviously slacked off. Where's Sessman from? Jasper, the flash is down as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Where's Sessman? Where's Jasper? Sessman, uh, I, I think Sessman is either gone private. Uh, He's gone or... big time, is he? Yeah, because I looked the other day and I... He was missing a couple of runs. Last week, he wasn't in the top. Uh, I don't have a look. Uh, we'll have to do some private stalking of him. So, so yeah, get into the 100 miles, you'll get into the top 10. Um, Josh would obviously want us to do the fastest average pace, which, really unfortunately really. for him, is still Isaac Ellard. I mean, Jake Smith is on there, but he's only did 20 miles. Josh doesn't accept that. So, um, Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I'm going to have a word with Jake when he comes out because I'm not having it. So, yeah, Isaac Ellard, 542s, has absolutely destroyed you there, Josh. Let's have a look at fastest female pace. Have we got anything? We've got Jeff. Maddie Jess Elliott. Is that your Maddie? Yeah. I think she could be fastest right. at 651 there, Josh. you got Jess tired. 80 oh. miles, 632 pace. Oh, sorry, Jess. Jess is there. Anyway. Maddie's got a shout out, Josh. You'll be very, very happy about that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Should we do listener question? The listener question this week came in from Kieran Summers. And it's actually probably mainly for Josh. He said, You're, you've referred to normal tech compression boot, boots a few times. Kieran, I probably haven't referred to them. I refer to them in the fact that Josh sits in them every week when we record this show for the whole hour. And that's why he's often <laughs> muffled because he's got his normal techs on. So you referred to normal tech compression boots. What exactly are they? Are they worth a considerable cost? Are there cheaper alternatives? Do they replace or complement sports massage? Asking as I run in my late 40s, finding recovery from sessions and high mileage weeks increasingly difficult. So Josh, you answer on normal techs first and then maybe Shane can add some wisdom on recovery and maybe best things for recovery. Sure. So um, I'll try and remember in order. So what are they? Um, I think you kind of answered your own question there. They are compression boots. Um, are they worth the money? I mean, I think that's very dependent on sort of your position and how much money you have. I got my dad to buy mine. So I would say yes. <laughs> um, but there are definitely cheaper alternatives. Um, I can't vouch for the quality of the other products. Uh, and I know Normatex are the, the biggest brands that do the product. Um, do they make a difference? I think you're getting into the realms of your extra sort of 1% if you're using them. Personally, I, I feel like they do make a difference. Some of that probably is um, sort of placebo effect. But I, I, I would be very surprised if the amount of people and sort of top end teams to use them, if it didn't have a sort of uh, scientific benefit. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you've got <laughs> 900 quid laying around, I would say I buy them. A bit cheaper. I, are they not like 600 quid in John Lewis these days? Um, well, I actually got them in when I was in America and they were definitely cheaper because they were $900. So that probably, yeah, would make sense. That's probably more than £900 these days. Yeah, it, it depends. I think um, I think the difference with a normal tech, I think you buy the boot and the machine separately. Yeah, the pack. Uh, yeah, right. you probably are. I know they're down 899 down to 699 a few places. Yeah. So yeah, about 899 retail. So I'll, I'll sort of back on to what Josh said. To be fair, pretty much all of what Josh said, I think, is bang on apart from the fact that there isn't really any scientific evidence. Um, I think, like, compression in general as a um, as a recovery modality, it, yeah, there's no evidence to say it does work, but they make your legs feel great. And I think the I, I, I sort of, I, I put recovery modes into two um, categories. You've got objective recovery, which is the stuff we know helps us recover and subjective recovery, which is the stuff that we makes us feel better recovered. So this falls under subjective stuff and it's the same with the same with massage, stretching, yoga, um, all that sort of stuff. I, the stuff that makes you recover better really is sleep, nutrition and stress lifestyle and, and training distribution. So, you know, if you're in your late forties and you're finding it increasingly more difficult to recover, your first thing to do is really just um, look back and be like, "Are there any ways in my week I can recover better?" 
and that might just be get some earlier nights. Um, to be fair, the compression boots out of all the um, sort of quote-unquote placebo recovery modes, they're the ones I would get. I, I just, I, I think they're easier. Josh literally, yeah, just lies in them when we're doing this show. Like if you read reading a book, I've got any work to do, just stick your compression leggings on. You don't have to do anything and they do make your legs feel decent. I think there are cheaper products out there that are maybe sort of half the price, but Normatech is is the industry leader from what my knowledge is and is what all the elite athletes use. Did you know what it what it does in terms of the compression? Uh, it, it's, all, it's meant to be something to do with blood flow, but it, it doesn't make sense because blood flow, com- compression doesn't alter blood flow. Like the human body, you've, we've got like 60,000 miles of blood vessels in our body. Like compression doesn't have an impact on that. People claim different, but I I don't believe it. But I think it, most most of... Um, what are you telling me my compression socks in 2010 made no difference? They made you look like a bell end, yeah. <laughs> That's that's the that's the iconic Aaron Scott look that yeah. fringe fringe down there to the side. So, so anyway, what you're saying is they're good, I'm, no evidence. I'm saying that Josh nailed it. It's that one percent. Yeah, there's no evidence. They can make your legs feel better. Now, my my concern with them is doing this sort of stuff every night. Like we're getting more and more research that's coming out to suggest that if we ice bath all the time. We can actually dampen the adaptation effect. We need to elicit stress in our body for our bodies to recover. That's how we adapt. So if this stuff does legitimately work and it takes away all of this sort of waste that we build up, all of this stress, well, our body doesn't learn how to deal with it. So there's loads of different answers. I agree with Josh. It's that 1%. I think they can be useful. It's just if you want to spend 900 quid on them. As Shane said, they're easy to use, you know. If you do do that initial outlay, then yeah, you know, they're not going to break quickly, so you'll get use out of them. Put it that way. Anyway, um, let's go. We've got loads of results to go through, so we're going to crack on some of those results this week and try and cover some of these races in a little more depth. Um, I'm going to go to the roads first, and um, let's start with Seville Marathon. Did I presume it both you? Neither of you watched it. I didn't, not really know. I caught the end, but I can't remember who won. Okay. No, I, I tracked the first 10K and then I did my long run. So, I mean, we'll go in the women's in the women's race. Jacqueline Chalau of Kenya, 220-29, took the win. Melisa of Ethiopia and Diro of Ethiopia were second and third in 221 and 223. On the men's side, Gadisa Shumi of Ethiopia took the win in 204.59, was followed by Kabedi Wami, um, was actually in Ethiopia top three. So Wami 205.19 and Ayanu 205.24 for third. For me, yes, it was a close race. And I think the top five were only covered by 50 seconds or, or so. The more interesting, obviously, for, for us as as Brits was, was tracking how some of the, the Brits got on because there's plenty of them out there. So first Brit home, Tom Anderson, 2.12.05, closely followed by Callum Johnson, 2.13.28. And two other Brits broke 2.20. Chris Jones on his debut, 2.17.51. And Norman Shreve, 2.18.12. For me, 
I think some of these times were a little bit down on what you might expect. Um, nobody had a, I think Callum, Callum Johnson had a very good race in terms of his splits, to be fair. But yeah, he ran other, very, very sensibly. A lot of the other, you know, top Brits and even the, the winners weren't as quick as maybe you might have expected. I don't know. The conditions looked okay. So I'm not quite sure what, what went on. Um, but yeah, on the women's side for the Brits, Clara Evans, well, she she actually ran a PB, 229.24, so good run from very good run from Clara. And Anna Brace Girl, I think, was the next in in 236.02. And she's been injured the last three weeks, as Josh confirmed. So I'm not sure how much running she's done in those three weeks. And then I think Jess Cray, 238-38, was just ahead of Naomi Mitchell, who who also didn't have her best run. And I think, should we should we discuss any any other results from Seville? I was, I was slightly happy to see some typical influencers underperform. I get really fed up and pissed off with people making out that the marathon is easy. Uh, they're gonna just break two twenty and two eighteen, do all this shit, and it's not. It. I mean, <laughs> I can't really speak from experience as much as you. Running, particularly marathons, are really, really, really hard. And you know, we talk, we joke about positive mental attitude in that, but it winds me up that the problem with influences is they always just put up all the positive and oh, it's this is good, this is good. Oh, I've lesson. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. It's lesson learned. It like running's hard. And the reality is, it's really hard when you do it, especially marathons. So just going on what you said, you know, a couple of things, what you said. Yes, I keep seeing lesson learned. Have you learned your lesson? I don't think you have. You'll do the same again next time. That's my biggest concern. And I think, yes, I mean, I can be a little bit negative sometimes, but with the people I coach, I don't think I am negative. I'm quite positive. I would say I'm more of a realist. I think I'm okay with failure. A bit like when Carl Wellborn spoke about it, it's okay to not achieve your goals. You don't have to make out that everything is easy because it's not. Life isn't easy and running certainly isn't easy. If it, you know, if I made it out to be easy, I just think I'd be being disingenuous with the people I'm sharing it with. And um, and yeah, I'm all for positivity, but yeah, let's just have a bit of realism sometimes. And I mean, for me, the you know, I don't know Chris Jones. I, I've known his face from the, the the running circuit, and he's always a very nice guy. He's somebody I wanted to run well, and he's a guy who tends to execute all his races very, very well. He's consistently fast, like twenty eight minutes for ten k. So when he also has a a raceway slowed, you know, I think he went through half in about. 67 something so came back in about 70 it just shows it's a it's a hard you know this is a guy who yes he works but he trains very hard 100 plus miles a week and it's okay and he's okay with it so yeah just sometimes let's not go do another marathon in four weeks time just for instagram and just for another 221 22 or whatever you run um not naming names but it's pretty obvious I think what we're talking about but it's yeah it's it's i think like shane i just get a bit frustrated with it and i think anyway, like gosh your mate paul what happened 
the Bob Project, is it not? He did it. Sorry. Eight minute Marlins on the Bob Project. How do you know? Bob doesn't specify. <laughs> Very true. Anyway, so yeah, like shade for Paul. I think. Um, did, do you know of anything about Paul's run? Because he obviously only finished a second behind Clara. Did he just wait for her? Did he? Uh, I mean, looking at the splits, I think he's had a rough day from about ten miles in. I, I saw I him. Cross... He... Sorry, I was going to yeah, say I should... like see him cross the line, and it, he looked like he'd just run a marathon. <laughs> Tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think he stopped and waited for Clara at some point. Sorry, um, let's just go back to being realistic, and this is why I think it's important. In that, if you've got a goal in mind that your training has indicated that you're. Let's just say it's indicated you're going to run. You've got the possibility of running two twenty nine fifty nine. Why don't you run even splits? It's so easy in a marathon to get ahead of yourself. Stay disciplined. Be realistic. Everybody can get goal creep, and I I had it in my debut marathon. My plan in my debut was to break two twenty, and I think my coach at the time said, like the day before when I was flying out, I think you can run two sixteen. So on the plane, I readjusted to go through in 68 and it was the worst thing I could have done. Just stay disciplined and mm-hmm. be realistic and you'll have a much better experience. I think we, we we talk about like one key component for a marathon is being mentally and physically strong and tough. And a big part of mental toughness is is, re- is being realistic. Um, the marathon quickly... Now, this is why I do have experience in. The marathon quickly goes south when when you're done and even if you've done 20 miles and you've got 10k left that's a long time to be suffering for and there's a lot of damage uh the like again positivity great but the marathon is just a it's a beast as you two well know so um yeah let's go on a positive note tom anderson callum johnson two very good runs 212 213 starts here very nicely for the Brits. Um, I can see a good chunk of Brits inside two fourteen this year. Yeah, that's standard. Standard. Josh included. There you go. Josh included. Yeah. Wait, Josh. You wait. I'll give you some realism the day before. Let's <laughs> go to the other race on the roads in Spain that we had this weekend, which is Barcelona half. So usually there's a a lot of Brits go over this. It was. Numbers Brits wise were slightly down on on what it has been. Actually, before I go into the Brits, I tell you the winners. So on the women's side, Irene Jepchumba won in one oh four thirty seven, so sixty four thirty seven, followed by Jep Koskai in twenty in sixty four forty six, and Catherine Raylin sixty five thirty nine. So very very quick. De Barbo was only fifth. Um, and on the men's side, uh, Charles Kitkuru Langat, 58-53. Viruhu Legesi, that's your mate, isn't it, Josh? You told me about the other week. 58-59. And Solomon yeah, Diego in 59-29. So I think four men broke the hour. Um, first Brit back was John Collier in, in a PB of 64-37. Very good run from, from John. His, I think his PB before was potentially 67 so a bit of a josh lund progression going on there so it'd be interesting to see if he's stepping up to a marathon paul whitaker 
65-51. It's a good return to what it's a PB for Paul. Nice seeing back. I did see fifth Brit home was my my friend Tom Fairbrother. Played football with him growing up. So we've got another sub-70 half-marathon runner from, from Melton in Suffolk. So that's a big win for us, us boys. Um, first woman Brit home was, I think, Anya Culling in a PB of 73.37. So the other race on the roads this weekend, which was on Saturday, I think, was the Rack Half in where's the Rack Half? Dubai? Dubai, I Rack. think. Rack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's United Arab Emirates. Yeah, I think it's Dubai. Uh Sam Harrison was out there and look, I don't think she had the best run of her career, 7047, but conditions very, very humid probably very warm and by the looks of it the depth wasn't incredible so I know that Obiri took the win in 65.05 but I think Sam finished potentially inside the top 10 so and after Sam there's always like a 10 minute gap before the, the next person so I think she had a fairly lonely run out there in Dubai where should we go next boys World Cross Battersea Battersea, you want me to go to Battersea? Well, let's go to Battersea then. Um, now you're testing me on where I've got, I'm jumping around my my spreadsheet. Josh, can you tell us what happened at Battersea? I can. Oh. So, in the men's race, Shane Robertson was dropped to the cake. <laughs> so, uh, so um, yeah, so Tom Keane was the winner in uh, the men's, <laughs> men's race um, at the time of 14.06 with Josh Grace in second and Ben Alcock in third. And then in the women's race, um, Reve Walcott-Nolan won in, you have tested me, I've tested me now, 1545. Oh, yeah. 48. Uh, Carrie Three was in second, and I'm going to butcher a surname, but Georgia Gretsch. Yeah, I think it's Gretsch. I think it is. Yeah. I, I interviewed her um, after a race in summer. Um, oh, there you go. Um, so, I was third. New course record for the for the women. Um, so she, I think she took home fifteen hundred pounds for that thousand for the win, five hundred course record. Um, not bad, not bad. Yeah, good, good little prize pot down at Battersea for Pulse five k podium and Friday night under the lights. Even though if it wasn't too light, Shane, you said you were blinded by the the light on the camera, were you not? Yeah, that second one where the um, uh, where we. St- where uh, that chap did a 360 over the bollard. There's a little light on that, I think, to show that there's a post there. But the light meant you couldn't really see the post. So I nearly I nearly ran into it on the first lap. Second lap I had plenty of space on my own, so I didn't. But, yeah, I got blinded yeah. on the second lap with that. I think the other thing to mention from that race is I was watching the, the sort of rough live stream from um, running live, I think, I think Boucher was on the on the on the mic and on the video. We saw the finish and Kieran Clements coming into the finish line. And he was on for about 14.30. And about a metre in front of the finish line, or two metres, he decides to step off the the course basically. But in doing so, cut up a couple of runners, one of which was John Beattie, who I think has taken it quite quite well but sort of hampered a few people it's just 
mad. I, I know, I know Kieran's come out and apologised, I think, on Strava in some ways, but it's just, come on, lads and girls, if you're doing that sort of thing, it's what's the need? Just because you don't want the time on power of 10? It's a bit silly. Yeah, yeah I do. I do agree with that. Moment it's more dangerous than anything. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem, isn't it? Um, or if you're going to drop out, drop out at the top of that straight. Um, let's let's go to World Cross then, um, because talking of people not being able to finish women's race, have you seen it, Josh? I've seen. I saw the finish, but I've got to be honest. I haven't watched one of the races. Do you know? What? I, I don't know what it is. I, I I'm just not really. I don't know if it's the time or where it was because it was in Australia. Like the, obviously the time difference was so great. I just was not interested in it at all. Well, I, I think the fact that there was a yeah. The, I think the fact that a lot of people just didn't send teams or full teams. Like in the men's race, we had Zach, and that kind of lost my interest. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's going to be yeah. You know, condition looked really tough as well quite hot and there's a storm coming so i think it's quite humid but yeah i saw the highlights for the women's race and um um what's the name my mind's gone blank so so beatrice trebet at the win but g'day yeah. was was leading all the way until what the last 30 meters when she she sort of the camera showed her because it's quite a wide finish isn't it i think you can take a couple of ways into it and um yeah, the camera showed her and she's sort of looking around, still running okay, but you could see Chibet finishing like super fast on her, her left-hand side and then she's about to overtake her and, yeah, G'day falls to the floor. I think she was helped up by a couple of volunteers and therefore DQ'd. So, yeah, she didn't even get a result. So, yeah, Chibet took the win um, for Kenya, followed by Gebris Lama of Ethiopia and Negetic of Kenya took the bronze. The most inspiring thing for me, and you're right, there wasn't a lot of Europeans or um or yeah, Brits or Europeans in the race, so it's it was weakened, even though I think the US team wasn't its best team it could have sent. I think a lot of focusing on indoors and things right now. But for me, Ellie Pashley, nineteenth of Australia, I think nine months ago had a her first child and is a marathon runner and she was i want to say she was fifth or sixth at their trials and has come in first aussie home and in 19th place and if you follow inside running podcast she's on on their patreon show that she's just starting up a new series road to london with uh sinead diver and i i just Whenever I hear her training, it's very, very progressive and sensible. So if anybody wants to look up her training, yeah, inspiring person, I think, is Ellie. So on the on the Brit side, I haven't mentioned anything. Um, Abby Donnelly actually ran really well for 24th, followed yeah, by Amelia Quirk in 25th. Yeah. All right. On the men's side, Jacob Kiplimo took the win for Uganda in 29-17. Um, not the time relevant and second Ethiopia uh, Araguari and third another Ugandan in, in Josh Cheptegei who probably was the pre-race favourite but Kit Palimo probably also won up there um, yeah on the men's side Zach Mohammed 76th 
in some of the junior races, I think Ed Bird in the under-20s finished 18th, so very good for Ed. And in the under-20 women's, Rebecca Flaherty, 23rd. So, oh, and then the, the, the mixed relay quartet was, was sixth. So that was Bathurst and the World Cross. I mean, why do you think that it wasn't that relatable to a lot of us? Because I think like me, you two would much rather have seen results from Seville or something else than Bathurst. Yeah, yeah. I just think there, there wasn't full teams and the teams that were sent, I don't know if they were full, full strength. Because um, if you if you put it, if you think right, Uganda sent, and I'm just talking men's at the moment because um, you've got Joshua Chapter guy Jacob Kalimo. I mean, you'd argue they're probably two of the best men's distance runners in, in the world at the minute, and we've sent one guy. So uh, yeah, I just I, I, that just doesn't really inspire me. We sent a really strong six man, our best six. I'd be, I'd be much, much more interested in that. Do you, but. do you think, though, that potentially we've now got some of our best distance runners, men and women distance runners, moving up to the marathon and therefore they're not going to do world cross-country eight, nine weeks out from London Marathon? Absolutely. Whereas in the past... I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the, the worst thing in the world. I'd much but, rather watch them at London Marathon, personally. Yeah, but in the past... A lot of the the top runners weren't doing marathons, were they? British wise, and now it seems like yeah, everybody's moving that way. Yeah, no fair point. Cool. Well, let's just go to the indoors because it was actually the the British indoor champs also at the weekend, and we'll cover some of the middle distance races. So, in the three thousand meters, um, it was Melissa Courtney Bryant who took the win in 8.50, just ahead of Hannah Nuttall in 8.50.8. So, yeah, tight race there. And then on the men's side, James West took the win in 7.49 from Oshin Perrin and Charlie Wheeler in 7.50 and 7.51, which both were PBs. I did actually just see something from James West saying, you know, his I think his PB is what seven forty five ish, and he was just saying how far it's moved on, even in the last year. That that's now not even that competitive at a European standard at the moment. So, be interested to see how he gets on when he goes to European indoors and whether Sam Atkin goes out there for that. I don't know who's declared interest for the team or not. But that must be, what, a couple of weeks away, European indoors? Usually early March? Again, I'm I'm not sure, to be honest. I know Sam's on the start list of the the 10 in America. The what? I'd imagine the 10, 10K in America on the track. Outside? Yeah. Where's that? Um, It's West Coast. Odd. February. I had to do I had to do the classic compass test there. It might be the beginning of March, um, but it's in a couple of weeks at least. And um, yeah, they've done it the last few years. It's where sort of Mark Scott ran quite quick, and um, a couple of the Americans ran sort of steady quick. 
yeah, cause St- Stanford usually kicks off in, in April time. So, uh, yeah. and then, yeah. sorry, go ahead, sorry. Uh, the 10 is on the 4th of March. It's the same weekend as the European. So Sam's not doing European indoors. Probably not. But I get, isn't there a little bit of doubt over the European indoors as well? Because obviously it's meant to be in Turkey. They're, oh, a bit, they're a little bit preoccupied. So I don't know whether there's a backup venue um, or not. There's a, there's a rumor that it might it might not go ahead. So someone like Sam, who maybe or anyone else is US based, it's it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? So yeah, well, I suppose when we come to fifteens, uh, Neil Gawley came back across to race fifteen hundred, um, mm. and he took he took the win in three forty one from from George Mills in three forty two, and then on the women's side was a a championship record um, for Eddie Baker. 406 which i think was a the record was in 1986 from zola bud anybody can do the maths one year older than me 36 years i think potentially i think i'm 35 you are Um, you are old yeah so yeah good running from ellie baker and yeah good to see i mean i imagine that, that Neil Gawley has come back across the EU Europeans. So if it's not going ahead, he'll probably go back over to the States and get some other races in. That's probably it for results, boys, because I think we've covered those quite in depth. What's anything coming up this weekend? National Cross on Saturday in Chester. And then yeah, um... Osaka Marathon on Sunday. Matt Fox of Sweat Elite goes. Julian Spencer of Inside Running Podcast goes. I don't know of any others. Um, all the all the top influencers if Julian's out there for Mizuno. Oh, I so think he's running. He's running. One question for you then. After the beef the other day with the, the best of versus Fox, who's going to take the marathon, fastest marathon time? Well, again, so I've, I followed a bit of Matt Fox recently. Um, I think because he was back in London the morning of the the five k, and I think he did three by five k in sort of sub sixteen. He finished in, and he then sort of put in his comments that you know he's going for sub two twenty, but again his splits, what he's calling marathon pace, are like two fourteen, two fifteen kind of pace, so. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he falls foul of the same sort of tactics of Nick Bester and goes out at a pace which is probably a little bit too quick and pays the price because it's it's tough. Yeah, I think I if he does that, I don't think he'll run faster than Bester. I just hope he. Can, I hope. I just hope with all of them, they just run it sensibly. It's. I don't know what this obsession is with trying to run far, far quicker than your your PB. You've got to take it step by step. And this is what I said to you, Josh, and you you know, you know it because I've told you over and over again, like your PB at what's at the moment, 217.59. Yeah. You know, 216.15 for your next one. Great result. I know you. it might not be what you want, but you need that, I feel, in progression like these stepping stones down 
it's it is very rare that you have these huge huge breakthroughs um and i just think people just need to be a bit more patient anyway i'm ranting again uh, boys enough talk of what's happening what's going on in your lives next week shane i know you've had a busy week and you had something to tell us last week got anything to tell us about next week no i can't remember probably not you got nothing going on um probably quite a bit going on i just no, no nothing out of the ordinary i guess fair enough josh out in spain yeah i'm running this week uh, <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, I'm in spain um thanks about that jake jake's joining us next monday so um next time we record we should have uh another person in the flat other than that not not too much else i've got physio tomorrow to get a nice little massage um i've got a marathon session on thursday so that'll be good you know what it is yeah that goes um so three miles easy sorry three mile warm up three mile warm down and then 11 lots of k on chaos the so 22k yeah big yeah. you know what have you been given uh, specifics this time yeah, yeah, roughly sort of three ten and then three twenty. Three ten twenty. Yeah. So a bit slower than you would have done the quick ones in the past, but faster float. Yeah, yeah. That's I think tough. it's like I think it's three oh eight to three ten and then three twenty one to three twenty three to be more specific. But... That's tough. I can't I don't think yeah. I'd be able to do that float. Because when I've done them a bit like you, I've always done the, the harder Ks at kind of thresholdy to half marathon and you can almost get close to three minutes but then i've back to 340 for the k's off and i know you've you've done them you did like freeze 320 something didn't you the other 25s yeah i've done a, yeah, a few ways k's i've done it like that miles I, I remember i did one i did miles 10 by mile with uh when Klaus was coaching me, I think I averaged five eighteens on the recoveries. Yeah, yeah, and then I've got twenty four miles sort of steady on Sunday, so pretty easy week, really. <laughs> yeah, sounds <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what I'm doing to be honest with you, Shane. I but what I am doing is following your plan. Gonna Aaron that. also has some K on K off, Josh. I do. Aaron's K-Oms are going to be about 3.30s, though. <laughs> 3.30s, 4s, I think Shane's put in for me. It's a bit of a... Yeah, I've just got to be disciplined and follow it. Uh, yeah, Hardest I think thing... after what you've just said, after for 45 minutes about people doing marathons and being disciplined and not getting carried away, I think it is what you actually need in your normal week. I think I'm going to watch QPR play football next Sassay in hospitality my little brother's Here he is. Job is head of operations at qpr so gonna my nephew is mascot taking eliza so she can annoy les ferdinand a little bit <laughs> i'm gonna get her to watch the um graham taylor documentary next week this week for any start of you fans out there start me young it's the best thing best hour you could spend anybody who likes football if you like, if you've seen Mike Bassett, this is the original Mike Bassett, but it's real life. Graham Taylor following the qualification for 
uh, USA 94, which we didn't make, spoiler. And it's just incredible. Shane, you've seen it, have you not? I've seen it, yeah. It is, it is very good. And and I'm not like, I don't actually follow football much and I highly rate it. It's very good. It's just comical in a non-comical way. It's a bit like The Office in terms of comedy. It's <laughs> It's very, yeah, British comedy. I've got so many good lines from that. I actually did my dissertation on England football managers. So part of my dissertation research was study that film in depth. Anyway, um, let's talk of the turnip, turnip Taylor. Um, We'll close this week and I'll speak to you boys again next week. Ciao. Yeah, sounds good. Bye, guys.